Are you a clinician in primary care who wishes there were better resources to help you understand how to navigate the concept of triage in modern general practice? We'll boost your triage skills with our dynamic five-session live webinar course tailored for primary care clinicians. Led by myself and Dr. Ed Pooley from Difficult Conversations, this comprehensive training covers all facets of remote patient triage, whether that be digital, on-call, or other opportunities. Through this course, you'll gain practical knowledge, exclusive hints and tips, and direct access to myself and Ed through open Q&A sessions of the course. Elevate your ability to manage primary care challenges effectively and confidently, and most importantly, safely. Register now to transform your triage approach at bit.ly slash GP triage course for GP in capitals. And we will definitely catch you then. There have been lots of information coming out in the past week or so about vaccinations, COVID vaccinations and some other changes. And you are definitely going to want to watch this episode as we update you on some of those things that have happened in the past week. That definitely communication gaps in my perspective. Whether you agree or not, we will find out as we jump into this episode. So let's crack on as we tech enhance your primary care and learning. learners and welcome to this episode. So we're briefly going to cover some of the big changes that happened in the past week or so. If you have been part of general practice, you've probably heard about some of this stuff. And there have been some rapid movements when it comes to particularly some of these topics. Um, and some of them have literally just come out today as well. So we will cover that really quickly for you. This is an extra special episode because loads of people have asked for information about this. So I thought just quickly get something out there. Apologies if it's not as good and thorough as myself and Andy can normally do, but Andy's unfortunately busy in clinic, so I've just managed to do this in a quick half an hour or so, so let's have a little look, shall we? The first thing is obviously about the changes that have happened with the vaccination schedules. So some of this information came out um, last week um, and we've had more clarification in the past 24 hours about a lot of the stuff when it comes to the vaccination terms. Um, if you do want to find these documents, do have a look at the NHS England website under the publications containers, they like to call it. You'll see it's in chronological order. You will have to go back a couple of pages. So some of this stuff came out, um, uh, like I said, last week on the 4th of August. So we've got the um, COVID-19 enhanced specifications and the GP seasonal flu enhanced specifications and then the um, children's version as well and basically lots of information that came out at the same time. The reason why this caused a lot of controversy is two key things so we're going to have a quick little look at these. So if we go down to section 11 and this is the COVID-19 specification that came out it talks about the payment and validation and as you can see there has been an adjustment to the payment made for covid vaccinations to being seven pound 54 this is a reduction from the 10 pound and six pence that you get from for example the um flu vaccinations payment so just lich smidge over 25 percent reduction for the item of service charge for delivering the vaccinations now if you're not involved in general practice you may be saying well we're in a tight economy that's same sensible and stuff actually that really impacts the service delivery because prices would have projected the cost that they do based on the original service of item of service charges and stuff there is an additional 10 pounds per uh, administration you get for patients who are care care bound sorry care home bound or bed bound etc and stuff um, and that clearly is needed because you obviously have to go an additional uh, element so you have to go specifically to those individuals to administer them but that reduction is something that's causing a lot of concern with many practices and many areas about the viability of their um, uh, basically vaccination schemes that they can do as a result of it because that's a huge 
20, 25% is a massive reduction. We're talking about inflation being 10, 11% and all that kind of stuff. 25% reduction in terms of the cost that you would get in recurrence, in recouping back for the administration of the vaccinations. That is going to really raise the viability question of many of the vaccination programs that practices would have been engaging with, whether that's based on a network footprint, a practice footprint, or even wider than that. It has led to Dr. Katie Bramwell Stainer, um, our current GPC chair, um, writing to uh, both NHS England um, and various other departments to basically say this is not sensible. This is going to have a huge impact on the health and well-being of the population moving forward. That's not the only thing that happened as well. So when you look at some of the additional um, documents that are in that section, it also comes down to talking about a change in the phasing of the timings for the vaccination. So for children, originally, it was stating that that should start from 1st of September, which is what the original plans were suggested to be. And typically, most practices will start vaccinating for influenza, so flu vaccinations, from the 1st of September. However, it makes quite clear that from October, it should be when it adults in particular vaccination start. Now, obviously, many practices areas would have already set up these clinics because, to be honest, they should have done. Most flu clinic planning starts at least three months in advance, if not longer, particularly ordering mechanisms in general practice. So this has a huge implication. But obviously, the, the suggestion that came out in the documents um, was very much that you would not be paid for those vaccinations delivered until it was delivered after this st adult starting date, which was the 3rd of October, I want to believe, say. Apologies if I got that wrong, but it was an October date that it stated. That caused huge amount of concerns. I mean, we're potentially talking thousands, millions of pounds being lost in general practice because of not being able to deliver those vaccinations. Obviously, you have to pay for the staffing that you've already probably agreed, the states, the cold chain concerns that may happen as a result of that in terms of having to change plans and stuff, storage, various other things and stuff. We do at least have a change in that. So if we have a little look at the documents that we've had subsequent to that, there has been a letter that's come out. So this is hot off the press as of yesterday, as you can see here. It's um, a web version of the letter. There is a PDF if you want to have a look at it. It's titled the AW2023. 24 letter flu and COVID seasonal campaign. In this, it has made a suggestion about the recognition for the reason for changing the date. So part of this being about looking at the JCVI's recommendations in terms of the phasing of the vaccination programs and actually starting later will mean that they optimize that peak for when they anticipate the peak of the flu Cat, um, uh, problems themselves being in January. So therefore, you've got three month lead time. And that's the reason for changing the date from the uh, NHS England. However, they have committed that those clinics already booked will still be allowed to have their payments made for the vaccinations and stuff. So that is some reassurance, at least on that particular part. There have been some adjustments to the cohorts of patients being available, and that's a list of what is currently available that you can see right there. So residents and care homes, older adults, all adults age 65 and over, persons aged six months to 64 in a clinical at-risk group, and these risk groups, you can have a look in the green book and stuff for more details. Frontline health and um, um, social care workers, persons aged 12 to 64 who are in household contacts, as defined of the green books of people with immunosuppression, and persons aged 16 to 64 who are carers, as defined as what works in, in, the, in the terms of carers and stuff. So those are the eligible cohorts for the flu vaccination and stuff as i said it does mention about the campaign timing so um it talks about second of october apologize i said it was third of october I, I do apologize to everyone for getting that wrong and for the sorry the covid ones being from the 7th of october this has huge implications in terms of how things work moving forward but obviously there is um a key suggestion in here that, that those will be honored if those clinics have been booked and stuff um 
I guess it talks about next steps in terms of the availability of the national booking service, how to focus on care home patients and obviously the ongoing campaigns in the subsequent letter. But that's the key stuff that has happened in that sense. Now, I wish I could say that that was it, but we have had even more information come out when it comes to contracting mechanisms that has just been released today. Now, this is very much speculative, but I think it is important information for general practice in particular to be aware of. Um, you can go to whichever news source you prefer. I've gone to um, the Pulse website because, to be honest, it's the easiest one to find and get to on and stuff. And let's have a little look at that. Uh, where are we? Yeah, it's being weird. It's not showing my screen now. Let's just. Oh, we have to stop and start, I'm afraid. Yeah, that's going funny, isn't it? See, the benefits or the downsides of doing it live is sometimes things just don't work the way you want them to, do they? Well, hopefully it should be coming on right now. And what you should be able to hopefully see on screen in a second is the Pulse um, Today news article that shows that next year's um, GP contract will be a stepping stone contract, as they are talking about it being called. What does this mean for general practice? Well, effectively, because the funding pots have been allocated for 24-25, I assume because of the changes when it comes to the likelihood of there being an election next year, um, as a result of that, they've only got confirmation of their funding of NHS England for 24-25. As a result of that, they won't be negotiating a five-year contract, which many people were anticipating to happen. And as a result of that, both the national contract and importantly, another interesting one, QOF, will not not be um, renegotiated into a significant seismic change that many of us are anticipating. So even the QOF reforms seem to have been delayed till the following year, so likely to be 24, 25, or even potentially 25, 26, that we see this um, in terms of the changes and stuff. What does that mean for general practice? Well, this is a key thing. Obviously, many people are anticipating that the coming year would be a seismic change in terms of the contract mechanism because of the state that general practice is currently in from serial years of underfunding and stuff. However, it does look like that's not going to be the case, that we're going to have an interim contract that's agreed for a period of time. Obviously, the BMA have responded to this. Um, again, Dr. Katie Bramble-State has written directly to the parliamentary undersecretaries for health and so social care, um, raising concerns about some of these aspects and stuff. Um, and it will be really interesting to see what happens moving forward. I think this does have an implication in terms of what this may potentially mean for PCNs, general practice in local areas and footprints in terms of what does this look like. I think we're going to enter a year of potentially of unsurety um, because unfortunately a one-year contract is not a great thing to be operating under. We've been in that situation before and it's always led to annual uncertainty about various things but at least it does mean that it is likely to be business as usual whatever that means and stuff um, but for the next financial year with probably some tweaks and stuff being suggested obviously we're still operating without an agreed contract in general practice currently. Does this mean we're going to see more strikes? Who knows? Does this mean we're going to see significant change? Who knows? Does this mean that we aren't going to have a clue what's going on? Probably. That seems to be the state at this point in time. But as ever, EGP Ling will be here to help support you understand all these changes and stuff. So make sure you subscribe to find out more as we crack on. I hope you've enjoyed this really quick episode. Hope you all have a great weekend. Catch you soon. Definitely subscribe. Catch you in the next episode. See you later. Bye. Oh, hello there, EGP Learner. I'm Dr. Gandalf and I often get asked, what kind of resources do you have to try and help those using EMIS? Because you tend to do a lot more stuff for System 1. And often I've really struggled to answer that question because let's be honest, I don't use 
EMS on a regular basis. So therefore trying to help EMS users is a little bit more difficult for myself. And that really made me feel, well, not great. So I kind of did something to try and help all those EMS users out there. I went and had a chat with one of my colleagues, Dr. Mike from GP on the Move, and him and I have created a course that you can use to help you use EMS so much better. That's right, if you use EMIS, but you wanna use it so much better, so much quicker, and in such a way that means you go home sooner, then check out our EMIS for Clinicians course. It's an online course that takes you through all the tips and tricks that Dr. Mike knows to try and basically mean you can go home quicker. That'd be a cool thing, wouldn't it? And guess what? It's currently on offer. So if you wanna take advantage of this introductory offer, and get access to it now. Look at the links down below and check it out. Additionally, if you're a practice, network, or wide area that wants more opportunity to use it, send me an email, egplearning at gmail.com. Let's see if we can help you out. And as I like to say, tech enhance your primary care and learning. So we get back to it? Oh, and if you wanted one for System 1 users, well, you know I've got you covered, haven't I? Check out the Learn System 1 for Clinicians course bit.ly slash tpp s1 course.